Hey, DC fans, uh, it's Gary from Baden's Comics. Um, <laughs> I just want to let you know that uh, Burton's Comics is open and ready to serve you in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, down 725 Barton Street East. Um, coming for some deals on the weekend. Thanks. Hey, and what's the shaking, everybody? Today's a very special episode of the podcast. The creature features the feature creatures and all around kind of feature feature creature creature we are here to bring you the spawn of satan's very self of the animated universe and tonight that just so happened well today for your viewing pleasure of course that happens to be the first film and god awful why did this get made dc superhero girls uh, i guess franchise would call it yeah, I am not watching four weeks straight of this shit. No, for serious, like Jay and I legit, like, um, while well, while well, earlier on, like just a little while earlier on, we're legit having a conversation about going through this. And I gotta tell you, watching through the first movie was so fucking mortifying. I can't argue Jay's point as to why he doesn't want to do this. I wouldn't blame anybody for not wanting to do this. There are so many questionable aspects in this movie that. I would much rather watch Hush on a repetitive basis. These things are tremendously agonizing. Uh, I guess I, I guess it's the easiest way to put it at this point. It's sad because they had potential with the story, but it's such ADD storytelling that it moves so quickly without giving anything room to breathe. Absolutely. Uh, I like I like to give an aspect that they're trying to open up the DC universe to an to a younger audience. They're keeping things relatively simple, but you know when you go when you go detail hunting, when you pay attention to certain things there, like us, like yourselves, the listeners at home, or um, even even those of you who actually have a younger audience to watch these things, that will sit down and question like what, like who, how. And you can't even form a full sentence as to how you want to question this. It, it's so goddamn baffling. But again, though, it's intended for the younger audience. So it's just a quick way to get them introduced in a hilarious and colorful fashion to the heroes that we're so um, that they're so beloved by us over the years. Yeah, there's some good, a lot of bad. Uh, you know, the background is where it's all at on this, but we will get to that. Uh, of course, I am Clowny J, joined by the Mize. We are the dynamic duo of podcasting tonight. Uh, what do you say we jump into some news? Absolutely. I'm totally down for that jazz there. Um, recently, we had spoken about uh, our takes about the Snyder Cut film. And uh, just as my guesstimation amongst hearing everyone else's thoughts and uh, just a thought process that's revolving around the movie, I still stand by my same estimation that it's just um, a new version of um, the director's cut of Daredevil, in which case, though, I would still prefer the director's cut of Daredevil, not putting anything past it as um, an action movie. You know, by all means, it's still got that, you know, action packed sensation for just a regular action movie. But as far as the superhero movie goes, what did I do to deserve that? Like, what the crap? I'm sure there are plenty of you who enjoyed the absolute hell out of this. There are some of you who are still questioning who Granny Goodness is, and I wish all the pain of a thousand spilt milks upon you. But um, 
as far as my personal take goes for it, when it comes to take it or leave it, I will certainly leave it. Not now, of, of the Snyder Cut, what did you enjoy from it? Um, well, exactly. The granny goodness factor, for one. It's about goddamn time that we start seeing more of um, more detail in regards to uh, villainous backgrounds. Like, not, not just Darkseid and Steppenwolf. Those two are still badass. However, um, when it comes to Apocalypse, you still need to make more frequent mention of Apocalypse. This isn't just a, okay, Darkseid's from Apocalypse, let's get on with it. Like, this is a big-time fucking villain. Same, like, look at how Thanos was treated. We got to learn of his homeworld, his ten, um, his, uh, just his uh, ambition. Uh, we got to learn so much from Josh Brolin's uh, portrayal of the Mad Titan that uh, we became in love with the character in such a uh, a split form like uh did what Thanos do was wrong uh was uh, he right to do what he did was it just a justification because for some people um good and evil are uh I guess are, are a point of perspective and that's how they would uh argue or debate uh Thanos's take on things whereas dark side they tried pushing just like this is Steppenwolf from Apocalypse follows dark side let's get on with it let's get on to the actors with that with this, I am so goddamn happy. Even if it was just for a short minute, like a hot minute, we got to see just how risingly intense the Dennis of Apocalypse can actually be. And the fact that we got those silhouettes, the fact that we got those inclusions was an absolute high point for me. Uh, aside from that, though, uh, the inclusion of Darkseid himself was actually thoughtful, and I appreciate um, whatever efforts they did to actually include him as a big-time baddie, especially since now that we got Wonder Woman's recognition as Wonder Woman instead of just Diana or Princess Diana. Those are pretty much a, like my high points on this. What about uh, some of the Easter eggs that they managed to sneak in there for us? Uh, the Ryan Choi inclusion, uh, the dead Kilowog. Oh, that, that's right. That's right. I had totally forgotten about those. We even talked about those last week. I totally forgot. My bad. Um, so I, I can't say uh, I'm, I, I'm not a fan of them. I was very much so like hyped to see those like little notches there. Uh, it was really impressive how they did the Choi one. It was um, a lot more than I gave credit for uh, in regards to the Kilowog appearance as well. So these are these are bits that um, they put serious work into, and I gotta tell you, even if they even if they are more of those little notches there. They're just little moments that, you know, you can really take your appreciation to, really delve into obscurity, really start questioning who else could have fit those roles, how else could they have fit in there, and who else could they have actually used in, uh, not just in place, but in addition. So, yeah, those are, that's a good point you bring up. Uh, the other uh, Snyder Cut news is this week they released the black and white, they called it the Justice is Gray edition. Literally, they just drained all the color out, uh, much like they did with a, a version of Logan a few years back. I don't get the fucking hype of doing a black and white version of a movie when we've all got color television that you can just turn the color off yourself. I think that's just a stupid bark boy, really. <laughs> now, when it comes to the whole um, Justice is Gray thing, like, where are you getting this Justice is Gray thing? This whole time, it's been either Justice is blind or Justice has a black or white side. Either you extend Justice to the political extent of the law or 
or you give your own brand of justice, which is, uh, well, they're not obeying the law, they're not doing by this, and they're not being, you know, productive members of society, wherever or whatever that society may be. So they would go ahead and enact their own lethal form of justice. So you're either uh, Captain America or you're a Venom, whatever the case may be. You know, there's no gray area to it. There's no, like, well, I could just, like, tear your head off, but I don't know if I should tear it. It's none of that crap. It's a do-or-die thing. It's a, if you made it and called it Justice is Blind and did, to, and did that with the name, I, I'd be way more on board with that. Um, if you did, like, a Justice League Noir, and still went through with this. And then the only part that would have color God for bed Y would be any any signs of uh, any signs of blood or any show of red. And that would just add on to the whole, you know, uh, whatever title black, white, red they've been doing for comics as a play. Uh, that would happen. So like a, like a Sin City cut. It, that is exactly what I'm referring to there because they had very little touch of color to Sin City. And having that for this would be uh, just kind of a really nice nod to Frank Miller. I know he's had a, a bunch of like, a, you know, deep cuts into the DC universe, uh, as well as uh, just a nice reminder of as Sin City from back in the day. Well, you, you mentioned do or die. So let's talk about the other big news. Uh, today being Friday, James Gunn released the first trailer for the Suicide Squad. I'm stoked. Fucking stoked. Way back when, from when we heard the news that Sylvester Stallone was going to be the voice behind King Shark, and then all of a sudden they're reporting and confirming it. Like, where have these people been? What have they been doing? I have been- Not only like that, but uh, back when the first set photos were released, uh, we speculated on this podcast about Starro being the villain. We got confirmation. Yes, we did. Uh, both uh, like uh, visual and spoken overall. It's uh, going to be one hell of a ride, I'll tell you that. Uh, you got- uh, this, of course, is already leading to speculation that maybe one day we'll get Jaro in movie form. That would be absolutely tremendous, whether it's Suicide Squad 2 or if it's uh, like for a Batman thing where Batman keeps uh, like a piece of a Starro, Jaro, as it were, uh, whether it be in the Hall of Justice or in the Batcave itself. But he's primarily been attached to Bruce Wayne. Uh, he printed him as a father figure. And so he's pretty much, um, I guess, that alien adopted son of the Bat family. And speaking of the Suicide Squad, uh, did you notice the uh, the hidden cameo in there as Suicide Squad creator and writer uh, John Ostrander was the doctor that actually was implanting the bombs in their necks? You gotta be kidding for real. I am serious. Oh my god. Like, just when I thought the trailer couldn't get any better, the information couldn't get any better, they just pop it off. They're like, you know what this cake needs? More fucking frosting. And who doesn't love frosting on this motherfucking cake? Well, I'll tell you what, this fat ass loves frosting on his cake, and this is just prime. Prime yeah, that, that was an Easter egg that was confirmed by James Gunn himself. Uh, he's also said that Taika Waititi's unnamed role in this film is not going to be the voice of Starro, so that is still up in the air. Ooh. Do you have any thoughts on uh, who his role could be leading up? I have no idea at this point. Uh, if you want to look in other forms of media for ideas... 
perhaps, uh, you know, the Suicide Squad is going to be using Brainiac as their main villain. Could Brainiac make an appearance in like a post-credit scene? This would be this would be something else. You know? It would be a great way to uh, kind of pull in Justice League into a more redeeming factor with a, a secondary film involving the influence of Starro. Uh, also, as well, uh, Brainiac overall as a villain uh, is well. He's uh, just a monument. He's top tier. Like he's well, fuck top. He's god. And the fact that he hasn't been introduced in like a cinematic feature yet, like a live action cinematic feature yet, is almost criminal, especially for Superman title. I mean, hell, they could even have Taiko Waititi be Jaro. Oh my god. I would not care if the scene was like eight seconds long or even three seconds long, but if I hear him as Jaro, that Suicide Squad best DC movie could hurt. Well, let's keep in movie news here because we do have quite a bit. Uh, Randy McKinnon has been tapped to write the script for Static Shock. This is uh, pretty huge news. You know, we've all been anticipating new Static Shock uh, projects as of late. This is uh, just a gateway for him to be thrown into, uh, you know, like the monetary feed tube. So uh, it'd be a great way for him to be uh, reintroduced into comics. He could get new figures printed after him, and just on the announcements alone will bolster that popularity into making him all the more successful character. So I guess we could kind of lean away from the Ray Fisher drama and uh, be led towards uh, a newer, like, mainstream hero villain. Uh, also in movie casting news, quite a bit has gone down this week in movie and television. Uh, we'll stick with movies right now because Helen Mirren has been cast as the villain Hespera, the daughter of Atlas for Shazam Fury of the Gods. This is a, this is a really tough one to really just kind of nail the tail on. And uh, again, I am absolutely I'm absolutely baffled in the greatest sense possible by the levels of obscurity some of the directors are willing to tell. So James Gunn, with uh, his details and uh, recent like uh, announcements and additions, now delving into this, it's uh, just making the DC Cinematic Universe that much better, and we won't even have to worry about even mentioning like the first Spring of Justice League movies ever again at this point, because we'll have such good supporting films that we won't even need other Justice well, in the main Justice League movies, uh, the Flash movie is has uh, cast a young Barry Allen, as well as two mystery roles, uh, as well as, of course, uh, Billy Kudrup, who played Henry Allen in the Justice League, Zack Snyder Justice League films. His schedule will not permit him to shoot the Flash movie, so they've replaced him with the actor Ron Livingston. This was uh, actually pretty big news, too, because, um, you know, Superman's very synonymous. The Kents are very synonymous with DC Universe. But um, aside from the TV show, he, and mentioning the comic book art Flashpoint, people seldom talk about uh, Barry Allen. Because um, despite all of Barry Allen's uh, alternative methods and reasons for running all over the damn place, fucking everything up, uh, we seldom talk about like his folks and shit the impact that they've had on such events or such influence in general uh, Jay Garrick in, uh, in the flat in the CW series is absolutely fantastic I would personally would have used him but uh, 
uh, if you got to go different direction, you got to go different direction. I got high hopes on him. I hope Livingston's got the got the know-how with the now you bring up the television universes that brings me into or that will save that for a, a moment from now because the other big movie casting news how could i forget this call him fate dr fate as pierce brosnan has now been cast as dr fate kent nelson it has been confirmed as it is kent nelson and not like Kaleeb. Uh, or any of the other versions, it will be Kent Nelson's Doctor Fate in the upcoming Black Adam film. I'm very much looking forward to this because uh, so far every headshot or screenshot that people have pulled up of Pierce Brosnan matches along to somehow at least two basic features of Kent Nelson's face, and it's ridiculous how uncannily alike their appearances. I'm fucking stoked for this. And I can only imagine that with Brosnan's acting prowess, uh, he's going to pull this off. Like, uh, Black Adam's going to go off without a hit. We're going to love everything. Of it. Now, uh, in the television casting news, uh, Darth Vader not only hates sand, but now he hates wood as well, because Hayden Christensen has been cast as Alan Scott. Well, that's just absolutely outstanding. Uh, I don't see what his hatred is wood, because you know what Hayden Christensen and wood have in common? They're acting. <laughs> they both burn really easily. <laughs> <laughs> but also uh, in Green Lantern television news, uh, most people would know her as playing the titular Jane from Jane the Virgin, but Gina Rodriguez has been cast as Jessica Cruz. Wow. That's a that's a solid jump in uh, Lantern continuity. Alan Scott. Well, the show is going to touch on everything from uh, the core's early days uh, to the Star Heart uh, series with Alan all the way into the newer stories. So it'll be really interesting to see how they tie everything in together. That's absolutely fantastic. Considering some of the stories that had been uh, recently released and shit for either Future State or new Green Lantern like Season 2 stuff, uh, I'm fairly certain Gary still has a pile for you uh, I'm fairly certain I'm going down in that direct, like that direction specifically tomorrow. I can total things up for you, send you a DM from there. Perfect. Uh, aside from uh, aside from that, it's a uh, you know the usual for me. Uh, yeah. As well as in in television news, uh, the Batwoman television series has cast Peter Outerbridge as Roman Sionis. I did see that. I'm fairly excited for it. I'm happy that they're finally including this character instead of you know, start, like pushing him forward at the moment the episode came out. That would have been the smart idea. But no, you decided to literally beat the face off Tommy Elliott and call it a day. Terrible. Terrible. But I am still overall excited for uh, the announcement of uh, Black Mask at the televised universe. He's great cinematically. Uh, I can only imagine what kind of good things he'll do for the character on TV. Uh, also in comic book news, they are bringing back the 90s Green Arrow. Connor Hawk is making his return to the DC print books. Uh, apparently he's going to have some kind of influence or be involved with the uh, Damien storyline. You know, that's going to that's gonna be a, a good thing in regards to what we're reading because I got the fucking scoop on that jazz. And so does everybody who picked up the recent copy of Detective Comics 1034 which includes the part two story for the uh, Damien art that they've been working on uh, in, in recent inclusion for uh, like the Batman stories they've been doing so far, introducing Mayor Nakano, uh, 
insane industries, all those the likes as you're as uh, most of you're familiarized with in uh, the uh, future state stuff. So, yeah, yeah I, I believe that one also concluded with Damien choosing: is he the demon or the detective? Yes. Uh, but also in storyline, in uh, comic book print, we got to talk about this puppy. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about the puppy. Dick Grayson, of course, has saved a young dog, uh, a three-legged puppy at that. And DC is going all Jason Todd with them. They're not deciding to kill the puppy. Do not do not think that's where I'm going with this. <laughs> They're letting fans decide the name of the puppy. The four choices that they have up right now are Shadow, Hope, Blue, and Haley. Uh, personally, uh, you know, Blue works for us. Uh, you know, Blue the dinosaur, love the color blue. It's an iconic color for Nightwing's suit, as well as a throwback to the original Batman costume. However, the name Haley has those deep grace and ties for Haley's circus, and that is honestly the one I see the fans picking the most. That's a very interesting take on that. I can see as to why the fans would choose from that. It's a nice overall touch on things. It's funny that you mentioned Blue, because also speaking of overall touches on things, um, I had the same idea going in with it as uh, Blue. The color is synonymous with the look of Nightwing for a longer period of time than the red one has. So uh, when it came down to that, I then saw it, you know, Blue's the, you know, color on the spectrum for hope, right? Uh, if uh, Dick has this puppy going about and he's recovered from his uh, amnesia due to the bullet shot from KGBs, uh, it really, uh, they, they both resonate uh, a lot more vibrantly to me uh, when it comes to the term, uh, terms of Nightwing and Hope. Uh, those are huge just success stories that just keep building off each other and readers can come in fresh every certain amount of issues. And it's uh, so easy to get to know the newly introduced characters for a lot of the times they print these stories. So um, me, I went with Hope on uh, that front. And the last thing I have is uh, collector news. Uh, Funko, of course, did put out today the new one sheet of the next con exclusive Funkos. And it looks like a Ryan Choi Adam pop is coming out. I think that's a marvelous idea. Uh, they finally delved outside of their Batman and Batman's Rose Gallery. And it's nice to see them touch base on something that isn't, you know, primary seven members of the Justice League uh, Funko base. Uh, like I saw, what, what I love about this pop particularly is it not only has the atom ring around it, but if you look at his feet, it come, there's a smaller version of him standing right there in front of him. Now that is actually badass. And what I'd like to know, is that going to be separate from the figure? Is that going to be somehow connected so it's still one figure built? It is uh, one collectible. It is one box, one figure. Oh, okay. That's what I that's what I wanted to make sure of there. So the aesthetic is more appealing to him utilizing uh, the suit's capability to shrink rather than just saying, hey, here's a big one, here's a small one. So that's right. That, that's very thoughtful. I, I can appreciate that shit. It's good. And that is what I've got down from uh, news of the week. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, collector stuff because uh, I have evolved into a more powerful card form. Um, I have not only uh, delved into over the past year Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic. Uh, I got I got my wheels turned on this one, and I got wrestled into uh, doing Pokemon and Digimon as well. So those are two newer card games I decided to collect into. 
I've already bought the box and a half. Let me tell you what's going to be. Not like a solid sealed box because the newest set, the one that I'm buying, I bought a sealed box for $300. Whereas I can just pay $6 a pack and accumulate that to the amount of pack that come in the box. I'm not really losing out on anything. Uh, and a lot of the times if I just do lose packs, I end up pulling uh, half the, if not all my money back from it anyway. So it's been a pretty wild ride on that front. Uh, in, in the, if we want to touch on just the independent stuff real quick, uh, the show Invincible released its first three episodes. Absolutely monumental comic series. Uh, if any of you are readers, I can only imagine how much you're appreciating mm-hmm. this right now. The cast is fantastic. And we recently discovered that one Harry Payton is on this goddamn show. So there are booyahs coming from the left. There are booyahs coming from the right. And it doesn't matter how much I complain about it. There will forever be booyahs. Yeah, we have labeled this show uh, the Super Dead because at least two thirds of the cast of all uh, have ties in tie-ins with The Walking Dead. We're it's pretty much becoming a, a new format for uh, what is the whatever degrees the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or some shit like that, and then you just switch that out with The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is becoming the new Kevin Bacon. Pretty much. It's like how uh, back in the early 2000s, The Daily Show was where you went to get all your comedian actors of the future. Uh, the Walking Dead is just where you're going to get everybody right now. Uh, just pretty much if Mad TV was in the horror core genre. I think that's it. Mad TV for horror core. And speaking of uh, Walking Dead tie-ins, uh, this is just a rumor at this point, so it's not really news, but rumor mill has it that the CW is watching to see what AMC does with their Walking Dead movies because they are possibly interested in bringing the Arrowverse to film. That would be pretty impressive stuff. All right. All right. It would make things like their Crisis film, uh, Crisis tie-ins, uh, a little more succinct and easier to watch. Yeah. Instead of doing a big five-part tie-in, they could just do a two-and-a-half-hour movie? I mean, that just seems a, a little more considerate, you know? Uh, it, could take a, it could take a time slot outside of the show, so you could press on with the uh, storylines that come from outside of that specific arc. And you won't have to waste time, you know, location changing so much. Right? Call everyone together for a certain date, bang it out of the way, and you're good. Funny you so that's know. all I've got written down. Um, you got anything else for us? Um, just a just a quick nod. There's like nothing new or anything like that, but I don't know if I mentioned it or not earlier on. Since you've been uh, mentioning The Walking Dead, there, uh, Wizards of the Coast has been doing these like uh, promotional crossover box sets where uh, certain uh, pop cultures, uh, pop culture characters get uh, their own variation. Other ones are just copy of other cards, but ones that got their own iteration uh, when they crossed into it was they made a secret layer set for The Walking Dead. And it's absolutely befuddling because anytime I go to play magic with uh, my friend Dan, he uses Negan and I get fucking trampled all over because he has this weird ability to let some take stuff out of play, protect it, let it bring it right back in and then trigger shit, blow my shit up. Lucille's a fucking card in the game and it is so fucking cool. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, Rick, Michonne. Glenn and Daryl are the other ones. Nice. Yeah, these are these are pretty good ones. Uh, Dan says he's going to build a zombie deck using uh, Michonne next. Uh, she's got, uh, I guess, uh, the better abilities among a lot of them. 
So I think the best ones are Negan, Rick, and uh, Michonne. From, well, that just makes sense. Yeah, from our perspective, at least. I mean, uh, he's like, you've got to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as, as this character. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'll watch I'll watch a couple episodes. He's like, no, I'm just going to put on Jeffrey Dean Morgan moments because those seem to be the only ones you'd like. And by golly, did I like them. Holy crap. Yeah, if you're not caught up, I suggest going back to the last time you were caught up with the show. Uh, there, are, Of course, you know, there's going to be those down points and, and slumps to get through. Yeah. But I highly suggest powering through it to get to some of that good stuff. The stuff with Beta and the Whisperers is fucking fantastic. A lot of it from uh, what I hear is uh, really great. I did manage to see uh, a couple episodes for uh, like Morgan's story. Wow. Wow. Has he come a long way, eh? That fucking Morgan guy. I, I don't know. They, they put Morgan on Fear the Walking Dead, and I can't get through the first season of that show because it bores the hell out of me. Maybe that's why they moved him over there. They wanted to try and purpose their side characters um, that weren't like more heavily utilized. So uh, you throw the likes of Morgan on there. Uh, awesome. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of hints and nods, a lot of re- relevations in that show. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to take up your advice on that. Instead of just like repeating it and I'll just delve into watching that stuff. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Just power through it. Oh, oh I have one of those. All right. I can watch dead stuff on, on Netflix. Finally. Finally, Netflix is useful for something. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, I got... Ever since Disney Plus did the whole, like, star merging thing, uh, Netflix almost seems redundant. And what about for what you're reading this week? Well, uh, as we were just talking about uh, the whole uh, Damien aspect that I've been appearing in the Batman book, the story about Connor Hawk is true. He's back in print and back in continuity. And uh, they are doing um, some kind of a tournament event where uh, the League of Assassins and the League of Shadows face off against this uh, deadlier threat, I guess it's called, uh, like a League of, La- League of Lazarus or some shit like that. I'm right. Calling- yeah, uh, that's what I remember him as. Uh, uh, so, yeah, they got these strange, like, tattoo markings on him and shit. And uh, apparently they made headway to, like, attack and, I guess, take some kind of advantage off of Kalial Ghoul for any entries into this tournament. There have been a couple cases, like, uh, insinuated in regards to inclusion for this, but uh, Connor Hawk seems to be a primary focus. I believe that, that he fights for the League of Shadows. Uh, well, that'll be really interesting development. Uh, you know, Connor Hawk's always been a really interesting character, uh, especially that Kevin Smith run where he was teamed up with Mia Dearden. Yeah. I mean, that was really good. Oh, um, DC also released a, a Future State book um, that is Teen Titans Future State Issues 1 and 2. Apparently, the popularity caught wind down at their publications, and they were all like, oh, you know what would fucking rock? is if when people could pick up Titan Academy, they could pick up Teen Titan Future State stuff so they don't got to pay like 20 bucks a book because that's how fucking popular it winded up being. And I read it, and I don't know why it was so goddamn expensive or popular. I guess it was just because of the fact that they threw Red X back into print continuity as well, but okay. I managed to find it for the price of a regular decent sicker book, and that was that. Now, if only they could get that quick with releasing their trades. 
I know, right? Like, why am I waiting a year for a story that hasn't been relative to me for a year? Like, no, no, no. someone's got to tell me. That's what we um, Nothing new for Collector's Corner. They did announce that you can find Black Hand on some shelves now. I've seen pictures of people that have uh, now owned the Black Hand Funko. That's right. Uh, so that that is something I'm going to be hunting for. I'll, I'll try and uh, I'll try and swing into a couple of uh Boys the Rest locations, a couple of hot topics, see what they got. Um, and, you know, it's quite fitting they released it right now before Easter because Black Hand raising the dead, the whole Jeebus thing. No, uh, he was he was dead. We just we just frozen for a couple hours. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm, Pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And that is all we've got. Uh, what about yourself? Anything before we cut to commercial? Well, uh, when I was at Gary, uh, he actually has a co-op fella now. Guys, uh, he's really he's a good kid. Um, so while I was in there talking with them, I managed to glance over to the right, and DC, I guess, released this fantastically, fantastically like done figure of the ground, like. An actual like one of those bigger model decent figures, and they did that of the just the drown. Huh. Just the, Jay, just the drown. Like the the fucking mystery here is so it's so bright. Like why couldn't Funko guys? Come on, they made they did a figure like that like no time. Why can't they release a Funko? Yeah, they need a Funko for the Martian Mine Hunter, and they need one for the Drowned. You can even make one for um, Lex Luthor, uh, the Apex Predator. Because somehow he managed to absorb the Martian Manhunter. Like, he absorbed the actual, like, 100% physical form, mental form, and all. He absorbed the Martian Manhunter. Well, that just sounds kinky. I think he somehow managed to force his like uh, his physiology to be a flux, so it rented him down to like a paste or a powder-like substance, and Lex just fucking railed him, railed the Martian Manhunter. So this guy's been roofied by his brother, set on fire, uh, almost drowned, and now he's just being sucked off by a dude. And of course, that all did kick off to lead to the uh, Justice Doom War, which is actually the trade that I'm currently reading. Oh, that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But with that in mind, uh, let's cut to our Batman sound effect. I'm going to hit the can real quick, and uh, I'm going to squeeze out a Superhero Girls. Ah, this is going to fucking be so painful. And we will be right back. All right, so, so before, before we jump into this bullshit, I did just confirm with Mize. I took a screenshot of it from the Funko website. The what I'm calling the Ryan Choi Adam Funko. Uh, it is both figures on a perma stand, and it looks fucking gorgeous. It really does, especially the uh, action, like the action pack detail that they've added to it, like the effects of this suit working and shrinking it down, and then. As uh, you pointed out, there was the smaller figure and whatnot, insinuating the size production of the Adam suit, which uh, just uh, exaggerates the fantastic, like, just the awesome 
message of this character's uh, Funko Pop. Uh, what I like about it is also if you zoom in on the details, it is the red suit with blue accents on it as well. I do like that suit. So I am really looking forward to grabbing that one for our collection. I'm sure that's going to be like a top five must-have for Shauna. She's nodding. <laughs> it makes absolute sense. And uh, plus, uh, any Justice League of America fan is going to want this, Adam. Uh, just for the sake of membership alone, uh, the impact uh, that they've helped like uphold in the name of the Justice League. So... This movie's only about 45 minutes long, 44 and change. Uh, I did not pause to write down people in the background because I didn't want the file crashing on me and I have to restart this torture. We do give you this much credit, though, that if you happen to watch through this movie yourselves, then you'll happen to notice uh, the plentiful of uh, the plentifulness of uh, the names given. Uh, the various images changed. So that way it can help exaggerate uh, certain details of their past or of their character in general. Um, so it puts a, like a, a really nice modern touch on a lot of different aspects uh, for a younger audience. So uh, it really helps to just include uh, everyone uh, as like a superhero high school, which is really cool. You know, it's not one of those uh, regular old high school feels where someone's going to get bullied or shit. And anytime someone is uh, just, you know, kind of iffy on somebody else in school, they wind up making an adventure about it. They turn around and everything's good anyway. So it is uh, vibrantly colorful in that regard. Uh, but even still, it's a lot of consideration for some of the names included. Oh, yeah. The animation is crisp. A lot of the voice work is really good. Oh, not the oh. best, not the best version of Harley. No, I mean, the sound uh, is good, but just the overall portrayal there, like, this is the kind of woman I don't want to meet on the golf course. And, and let's, let, let's talk about that uh, elephant in the room. This is superhero high. Uh, the villains are all print, or the staff of the school. And for some reason, Cheetah, Ivy, and Harley are students here. My ultimate takeaway from the overall faculty of the school, my only, the only question I would actually need answered as opposed to the ones I want answered, how in the fresh God-given ketchup-smothered, wrapped like a burrito, flipping fucking grilled bullshit is Amanda Waller doing as the principal of a meta-human high school? Why? Why is Amanda Waller in charge of this? Who, who is psychotic enough? Who dared do this? Well, whoever dared do this also made Parasite the janitor. I thought that was cute. That was just, and he's so like, just a kind of the predictable text sort of thing where he comes in and you know he's just going to sigh at something. But the constant action of him sighing or flipping out at something is just, hilariously coincidental you know he walks by as the janitor's leg i fucking mopped this 10 minutes ago come on and the, like half the building's killed over that shit kills me the um i don't understand um the amanda waller thing but the other things it's because girls are stupid <laughs> and we think that harley and poison ivy and 
people like that are actually good people. Good people that they're just Joker brainwashed Charlie. Ivy's an eco terrorist. Uh, yeah. Like, girls are dumb, so they're expecting girls to think that's what's okay. But Cheetah? Oh, Cheetah, I don't know. But Harley, it's because girls are dumb and they like Harley. So we put Harley on TV. Well, I'm glad Sean is the one that piped it and said that because you and I would get lambasted if we were the ones to have said that sentence. That is absolutely true. Um, no matter how true it is, uh, you know, a lot of the time it depends on the side saying it. And, well... It was coming from both sides. The scale really either falls over or tips one way very heavily. Um, I mean, yeah, Ivy's Harley's best friend. Ivy also took over the fucking earth through fast food vegetables. Like, where are you leaning with your character development when you just so callously throw them into a squad of besties? Well, let's kick things off as they do. And we got a killer croc attack. Which is pretty neat, you know? You don't get a lot of Killer Croc love, so I'll, I'll, you know, give them credit for this one. It was nice seeing him in an action sequence holding his own against Wonder Woman. I mean, in an actual situation, not going to happen. So being being given this kind of chance is pretty cool. I mean, sure, he looked kind of like oh. a cheese drawn leatherhead from the Ninja Turtles, but it was still really fun. Uh, now, the team he's taking on is, uh, like you mentioned, Wonder Woman, Bumblebee's there, uh, Harley and Ivy are both there. Beast Boy is the only guy that goes on these missions, apparently. It would, see, it would seem so. I mean, we're given the uh, glorious stylings of uh, Gregory Sipes once again, which no complaints there, but uh, this is an... Isn't this supposed to be like an all chicks thing? And then all of a sudden they're including so many other male names because I guess they don't believe in their female roster's capability to hold their own. Sean is nodding and agreeing. Well, what um, else are we supposed to get from this? It's uh, absolutely maddening. It's all over the place. During this fight scene, we see a young, uh, you know, a, a young Supergirl living on Kent Farm. Apparently, she's just a big Wonder Woman stan at this point. And apparently doesn't have a real first name either. And the Kents are, like, in their 40s, maybe? Which, you know, I don't mind Martha Kent taking the Aunt May effect. You know, she can just keep getting younger because then she just keeps getting hotter. I mean, Jonathan Kent's still going to have a heart attack, so that's, you know. But if we're not getting Marissa Tomei in the role, I'm not interested. Oh my god, would that not be the best? That'd be the best bank bank, I mean, casting ever. It would, I honest to god agree with you on that one. But then we actually get a first, our first good Easter egg reference as Kara's looking to go to uh, the planet Kroger for school. Now that's a very interesting uh, choice and location. Let's go to the whole fucking Sinestro to learn. Uh, absolutely. I mean... I guess you're doing your job right if you're scared on your first day of school, but uh, it's uh, kind of a hard story to tell when you got to go to the, I guess, Corger, some kind of intergalactic private school or some shit. And it's not the only time she, like, it comes up a few times that she wants to go to this school. Now, I understand it's probably a lot more accessible to fans than saying that Supergirl wants to go to Yismalt for school. 
<laughs> blew my mind. I think they only have a little thing. Uh, no, I, I personally would have preferred if they would have said yes, Malt, because it would have tied into the whole Red Daughter, Red Lantern storyline for her. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have been so bad. You know, you do like a couple of... Uh, star. Yeah, and you could do like a two-episode break thing where she falls in with the wrong crowd, but they end up being the right crowd after all. Like these oh guys, my god, the Red Lanterns could have been school bullies. Oh my god. Who would be the chess club? There has to be a chess club. Uh, Vilius Vox with his giant head. Think so? Oh yeah. I would give it. I would give it to the uh, what do you call it? The, the Violet Core, the Compassion on the Spectrum, and the ones who just say knock. The Indigo Lanterns. Yeah, that's it. Indigo. Oh man, those guys are fantastic. Like they could tell a knock knock joke, and I wouldn't be able to tell unless they said knock a second time consecutively. With with their creative names like Indigo One. Jesus Christ. I guess they don't have baby names in books in space. Well, you know, we cut back and forth between the fight scene where we see Harley's with the heroes, Cheetah's with the heroes. Uh, where we cut back to the Kent farm, where Martha Kent just remind you know, you got to avoid kryptonite when you're at school. Yeah, the sheer fact that there's kryptonite at this school is more than enough reason for her to want to go to Corriger instead, because it's unlikely that Corriger just has kryptonite on their planet. <laughs> But, you know, the heroes are able to take down uh, Killer Croc. Uh, Ivy uses, uh, you know, seeds underneath the dirt to wrap him up in vines, and they hang him by a crane. Unky J, why did the 10-foot-tall fucking lizard man need a lead pipe? I'm not sure, but I think the best scene in this was when Beast Boy turned into an alligator and Croc fucking just hooked him. Yo, the crocodile versus the crocodile. That was wild. He got fucking acme spun and shit, and he got tossed like he was a fucking, uh, what do you call it, a Saturday morning, uh, like a Looney Tune fucking cartoon character. It was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I thought it would have been a little more intense, but hey, whatever. They're trying to keep it short, simple, and somewhat humorous to maintain the attention. Uh, they did miss another great chance for an Easter egg as Kara was packing her bags. She hugged a little teddy bear. I personally thought it should have been a stuffed orange cat to represent Streaky. Uh, probably, I think that would have been way better. Or even, um, you know, like a a grayish like tabby and that name could be Dexter kind of shit. Yeah, because if you notice on her wall, she had both her horse and a picture of Crypto on the wall. Like, come on, man! If they're doing the fucking horse, they gotta do. Every, they gotta do everything. It's yeah, give, give us a streaky nod if you're putting the horse up there. In fact, just fucking give us streaky altogether. Like, take him from your possession, and we'll just keep streaky. Yeah. And we get our first look at some of the students as uh, Supergirl's flying in. They never refer to her as Kara. It's always Supergirl. Come on, Jay. Oh, man. Uh, uh, some of the characters that I noticed just as she was flying in, uh, right in the bottom left-hand corner, you saw Mary Marvel, Booster Gold, and uh, Bea DaCosta fire. 
Death Rage, you did show up in that. Like, I, I only saw Fire. I don't recall seeing that. But hey, that's a not a that's still not a bad you know roster count anyway. But uh, yeah, she's a fumbling along. Like you can tell her anxiety is like seriously affecting her ability to fly, and she to- goes totally fucking Mr. Bean on this shit, and uh, she crashes into the school's flag. And then manages to somehow crash into a wall made of super proof steel or some shit. Which is a, just a, absolutely hilarious, both in the premise that uh, Supergirl fell hilariously through a wall. And apparently there's an unbreakable alloy that just got fucking smashed by a hurling body. Uh, it's also here that we see Gorilla Grodd in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> the monkey man oh man uh gorilla grot as a vice principal is absolutely adorable and uh his overall impression kind of reminds me of uh scruffy from futurama not in the aspect where uh, he just has that raspy voice or anything but more of the lines of he just has his own kind of a background personality that can really fit into almost any environment he's put into just turn on scruffy the janitor Toilet, boilers, boilers, toilets, fire. We then do another cut into um, like a little tech lab where Commissioner James Gordon is helping his daughter Barbara pack, and he says, "I can't wait to get you out of this cave." Absolutely hilarious notion there. Um, Barbara was the redheaded young woman who happened to have just kind of barged by while everyone was greeting Supergirl and who bumped into everybody with her crap. And, uh, yeah, Gwen's getting in there. Uh, Jim didn't like her being in the superhero environment, even though apparently it does a lot more good than anything. He should be proud of her rather than scared for her. I mean, she's surrounded by some of the most powerful characters in the DC universe. Yeah, it turns out all she's doing at that school is just running their tech support. I guess it was just like a temporary job. I don't know if it's like a semester-long job or something like that, because I guess for quite a bit of the montages and the overall familiarity of the characters uh, becoming more progressive in the film, there had to have been like a like an elongated period of time to have gone by for it. Uh, we know she's tech support because Cheetah shows up in the battle with Croc. She had broken her smartphone and needs it repaired. Uh, it's... It's FUBAR. It's fucked up beyond all recognition. There is no repairing that. So she gets her, like, this super weaponized burner phone from uh, the Barbara Auto something. Like, it, it, it sells bats. It was, uh, it was the uh, Barbara Assembly Tech. Uh, the Barbara That's Assembly it. Tech gadgets. And uh, she pulls out this fucking clunker. And I swear to God, just how Cheetah acted, I relived the scene from The Mask where he's like, hey, Bring out the loner. The loner? The loner. <laughs> you get this smoking heap of what the hell, man. And uh, she's explaining that it has actually all this technologically advanced functions, and she doesn't care. There aren't any apps on it. That's apparently the takeaway from this genius bit of invention that works off of its own wireless frequency is that there are no apps. Well, no, how are you going to play Snake and Solitaire on this thing, Mize? Remember when Cheetah reached over for Barbara's hand because she thought she was going to take her 27 fucking cents in the room full of the most, like, advanced technology in the tri-state area, and you're concerned that she'll take 27 cents? 
what the fuck, man. Uh, this is also when we're introduced to Principal Waller for the first time. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Principal Waller. It's never going to get old as a concept. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, in the background of some of these shots, we do get looks at other heroes. Uh, you see Miss Martian floating around in the background, I thought, at one point, which I thought was really cool. Uh, Blue Beetle is there. Uh, the Jamie Ray, Jaime Reyes version. Yeah. Which brings me all kinds of questions of Booster Golds in this school. Uh, absolutely. Uh, there's no way, shape, or form that Booster wouldn't at least, you know, just kind of cheat his way in there. You know, he'll go back in the timeline and register himself and then jump forward right in the middle of the semester when, like, new lessons and shit start. Like, he times it out so that way he can pass his grades and shit, like, from the moment he's there, just finishing it up and shit. Uh, Supergirl uh, finds her dorm room, and she's rooming with Harley Quinn. She has many, many uh, different uh, curiosities. Um well, aside from uh, her strengths and weaknesses, and of course, being able to, again, crash through walls that are apparently made of an unbreakable alloy. I mean, come on now. So, and her uh, biggest concern is why she can't get on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> apparently, Harley doesn't know how to get on the Wi-Fi either. You know, the Wi-Fi she's probably already connected to. So, yeah, not here. Just use my computer until we figure it out. But we have to call tech support. So Harley literally opens the window and yells for Babs. Like this was some Animaniac shit. I was sitting there thinking that, uh, you know, Harley was going to be like, oh, wait, you can't hear me from here. And then go out and do her thing. That still would have been hilarious. But all of a sudden, you just like slowly start to hear this. And boom, there's Barbara right at the fucking door. And it is the funniest shit I have ever seen because <laughs> you got so much screaming accessibility and there's I didn't see any use of Black Canary. That would have been brilliant. It would have been brilliant. I mean, like, if they would have utilized her to scream out for Barbara, then it would have made more sense, making it a lot more hilarious that Barbara would have made it there so fast because it sounds like, you know, somebody yelling like that, that she's troubling shit. Oh, my God. Uh, we've also uh, seen uh, Janitor Parasite. And uh, so Barbara is telling uh, Supergirl here, you know, if you really want to get caught up and get ready for the semester, we probably should go hit the library and do this old school style, styles with a Z. Uh, That's the 9-9 reference. Yeah, and that just, uh, styles with a Z. Jesus Christ. Like... <laughs> I and they go down to the library where fucking Granny Goodness is the librarian. I I had to stop. I was actually like screaming at my fucking cat. I'm like, no, 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 this is not happening right now. I was fucking losing it. <laughs> no wonder the cat made you clean up extra shit. You screamed at it. I had to. I had to fucking scream at it. Jesus Christ. It was just absolutely, it, it was hilarious, though, seeing her do the whole old lady role thing. Um, she was just in there fixing bulbs, apparently, you know, but it had a very ominous uh, style, like a silhouette in the background there. So um, while piling on numerous titles, there's including one that I thought was a, just a funny book, uh, The Liberty Bell's Guide to Heroes. 
he's like that is a great JSA reference. Absolutely, he's like one of the oldest characters in the book, and he's she really a, is. He's a good he's a good one to make like uh, this kind of a chronological book and shit. There's a lot of she, characters. Liberty Bell's a female. The witch and what? Liberty Bell is Jesse Quick's mom. Oh, that's right. Oh, I was fuck. I was imagining Max Mercury. I think. The one in the blue. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of fucking Max Mercury for some reason. Yes, that, sir. Oh, fucking. That old people's shit's rubbing off on me. I'm fucking forgetting shit. Well, from here, you know, she's got her stack of books. Granny Goodness is shoving cookies in mouths. Supergirl even goes to protest and saying she doesn't want one, and she still shoves one in her mouth. This, to me, says that anyone at that school that has a gluten allergy should not go to the library because Granny Goodness is going to shove a cookie in your mouth whether you want it or not. I mean, it was 2016 still, so there's clearly clearly a lot of uh, debate behind that shit, too. So it definitely would have been like a sensitive subject if they were actually to pipe up and one and actually have one of the characters, you know, come off as uh, somebody who is vegan or some shit like that. Like an actual proper time just to announce that you're fucking vegan or some shit like that. So you don't end up getting the wrong shit with your system. Just because of his logo alone, I've always wanted to see them make Geoforce go gluten free. Because they both have the big GF logo in the middle. You know what? Yeah, that. That kind of that kind of works itself out, really, and plus it's a, a character improvement on uh, also an enhancer for uh, Geo Force too. Like we only know him as uh, just really the prince and Terra's brother, and even then, like it sounds kind of just like oh wow, I actually bragged about that kind of thing. Terra's brother, Megan. <laughs> And, you know, it's not like it's a very uncommon thing in today's world. It'd be nice to see that reflected in a superhero. Why the hell not? They're doing all manner of things for for and with superheroes nowadays. There's a a ton of different changes you could make, even if the multiverse is shortened down to a limited amount of uh, different outcomes and shit. I mean, the last time I can recall a gluten-free joke in a superhero film or television series is probably Iron Man 3. The biggest one, though, is Tony Stark saying he doesn't even know what he had for breakfast that morning, and Jarvis chirps up behind him saying, you had gluten-free waffles. Oh. Wow. That's really the only, that's really the only basically touch on it. That I can recall just off the top of my head, yeah. Ooh, because I fucking love that joke. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Well, uh, after, we'll finish up a... Back a book, she meets up with Amanda Waller, uh, who brings her to the boom tube room to show her the door, and even opens it, and we see the code. It's a really funny code if you if you like your DC Comics continuity. Because in true Batman fashion, the code to enter the room is 1938. Absolutely. It was absolutely cool. Seeing them use like a, it's just such an obvious one to just click and out of the way. So Supergirl stumbles upon this because she doesn't want to admit that she's lost and actually needs help finding her way back to the dorm. But whatever, uh, any door will do when you're Kryptonian. So she wouldn't have had a tug at that. And for some reason, Amanda Waller likes to hang around school after hours. So she ended up showing her the boom tube room anyway because she missed uh, the freshman tour 
letting her know that uh, these portals can uh, teleport you pretty much anywhere, anywhere from the likes of Terrace all the way to fucking Florida, which uh, right now is pretty relevant because uh, there's always like it's just, like weird criminal shit happening in Florida. <laughs> I thought it was just presently funny. I mean, back then I thought it would just been like a <laughs> they're just making uh, puns at their own states and shit. And now today's day and age, it's oh, an absolute disaster. So yeah, okay. Yeah, the Florida burns really got me. Like I said, this movie does have some good to it. Just the bad really outweighs it. <laughs> Especially the one, the bad you have to ask a question about. Like I'm still going to be asking, like even to even till this minute now, why was Amanda Waller principal? And just keep running. Why was she principal? Why was she principal? Why was she principal? And, I like to think that, like, her detention group, like, the, the, her version of the Breakfast Club, as it were, is going to be Task Force X. Oh, my God. Like, the kid, they'll have a, a detention episode, and that's where the rest of the Suicide Squad will be. Yeah. Harley and a few of the others that are constantly getting detention week in, week out, become her, her Task Force X. This angry young man, part of the baseball team, ended up getting a... Uh thrown off for, or suspended and put in detention because he kept on purposely aiming for people's faces and shit, like to mangle them and shit. And uh, now Floyd Lott sits in detention until a proper punishment is uh, discernible. And they would get bonus points if they dressed Floyd Lawton up as John Bender. Oh my god. Come on. Please, dress him up. It's the least you can do. Hell, oh my god, have Starfire as the Bali Ringwald role. The princess. Oh, come on now. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to start, when this episode is done, I'm going to start writing down who I want to see as the DC Breakfast Club. <laughs> you know our socials, and uh, if not, we'll give them to you after we're done, the review and everything, but we'll definitely want to hear, you know, your guys is like uh, who you see as the Breakfast Club in the DC universe. Uh, I know I'm going to be making a list of that kind of shit because that sounds absolutely fun to do. So that's a, that's actually a very good idea. I just wrote down on a piece of paper that way I would not forget. Uh, everyone listening out there, pick your members of the DC Breakfast Club and send them to us. I want to see who we've all got in common here just because I think it's fucking hysterical. And come on, guys. If I find any answers that say Teen Titans go, I know you're being lazy. Come on now. Join well, us. The good set up Apocalypse. And uh, when we come out, we get introduced to the school's sleuthing society. Absolutely. These uh, high school detectives are on the case to find out who has been trying to infiltrate the boom tube room and access the technology without the proper authentication. Pardon me. And this team uh, consists of uh, Hawk Girl, Barry Allen's The Flash, and uh, I believe it was Bumblebee as well. And, it, was, uh, it was the Shira Hall hot girl, to be uh, precise. Oh, that's even better. It's nice, it's nice getting Shire included and stuff again. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because right. Kendra always has her traditional red hair, so this is definitely Shira. Oh, yeah. All right, so they're getting to their thing, and uh, they happen to leave the scene there, but uh, there happens to be a little bit of a slam-bangery happening, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the uh, alarm ends up going off again. And uh, they happen to go check things out. Uh, nothing seems to be left behind but some bamboo and shit. 
some bamboo or at least some kind of fucking leaf or some shit like that uh, that came off of bamboo and uh, the even the silhouette from when it was taking off uh, really resembled that of a tall walking gorilla so him also being a flash villain it can only I mean, even I would think it's a gorilla rock right off the bat either that or beast boy either way they gotta they gotta run it by Ivy you know she's that uh, She's that floral lady with all the know-how, so she's definitely going to be able to tell what it is. But the only question is, I don't know why it is. It takes so long to find out what it is. I wonder if Ivy's also going to be the high school weed dealer by the time she hits senior year. Oh my god, dude! She was the high school weed dealer in grade five. <laughs> well, with that, uh, I want to cut to a quick Batman sound effect because coming up after is what I think is one of the funnier cameos. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we're going on to the next day of school or, you know, the next week of school, whatever it is. It's a new day for the superhero girls and the superhero guys with the superhero girls. And we will be right. Hey, what up? We're back at it again with those DC superhero girls reviews. And I hate it, but we're still doing it anyway. So the next day... Um, Carl is reviewing just the basic, uh, just the basics of uh, you know the methods, uh, the teaching, and all that to uh, Supergirl, just how things are running and everything. And she's you know burning through these questions like she's studied it down. She's less nervous about it, at least until they bump into one vice principal. Ground, I mean, like bump into him, and he's a big boy. Uh, all the same, uh, Grodd still being uh, a total grump and uh, an old school baddie. Uh, he's all like, need to watch your shit, woman. And uh, her being intimidated by the authority figures, so like, no, no, it's cool, I'm, I'm out. And Carl Saul tells her about, like, well, he used to be a supervillain, he used to be a total fucking dick about shit, uh, until uh, Amanda Waller got him employed here under some supervillain trade program. And uh, I about near lost it at that point. Uh, that was absolutely monumental when she made Suicide Squad reference. Yeah, the, the work release program. That's it, the work release program. Yeah, that shit was absolutely hilarious. Now, that wasn't the only hilarious moment because so far we've only seen villains as staff of this, but we cut to gym class and we get my favorite teacher cameo as motherfucking Wildcat Ted Grant is the gym teacher. It's a strength day for the class, and uh, who better, really? Like, uh, if there's anyone else that can portray strength like Ted Grant could, then, well, we wouldn't very well need Ted Grant, would we? Taped so, up fists and everything for the gym teacher. Oh, my God, yeah. He's got that, like, a uh, gym coach hoodie thing going on, but it's in a wildcat uh, kind of format there, so it really helped uh, add a little bit more eccentric feel to his uh, outfit as a gym teacher. And it also helps tie in with the greater Justice League mythos because everyone from Batman to the Black Canary to Superman himself has gone through Ted Grant's school of boxing fundamentals. Absolutely. I mean, if Superman has something to say about the efficiency of Ted Grant's punch, then by golly, I'm going to be fucking scared of Ted Grant. That's for sure. So, uh, so Ted Grant being the guy that literally you have to train with him before you can be accepted into the Justice League, having him be the guy that runs the high school gym is perfect to me. 
He's probably all like, you knock me down once and it's totally cool, but it's not totally cool. You're not fine at all. You get this 60-year-old man with fists that hit like actual wrecking balls pummeling your temples into absolute gravy. And things are not kosher when that shit happens. So, of course, um, being thrown into the test of having to, you know, put down Ted Grant at least once, that's a mission all on its own. Plus, Ted Grant nailed Hippolyta. That's pretty much as cool as all of Marvel Comics Hercules' sex points. When she was time-displaced, she slept with Ted, like, she slept with a married Ted Grant. Oh, come on, Ted. Why you gotta- this to me says two things. One, that's why the Amazons hate men, and two, that's why they hate cat people. Great. So we're, we're down to blaming Booster Gold Ted Grant for everything. That's right. Thanks, Ted Grant. Thanks to you. My life is now safe because I don't sleep with an Amazon. God damn it. I can't even make that sound. Well, Beast Boy turns into an elephant for Wonder Woman's strength test. And, you know, she she has a little bit of a struggle, but she's able to get it up. Absolutely. It's all it's all about a sense of control. Exactly. How did she get it up? The elephant. <laughs> yeah, she, she's got an <laughs> elephant lover. talking about the whole sex thing, and then you said she couldn't get it up. And I'm like, how did she get it up in the first place? No, no, she powerless beast oh, boy over okay. her head as an elephant. I that part. <laughs> yeah, well... It, it's Wonder Woman. She's very experienced, so she, so of course she's gonna take a teenage boy and make it so he's a hung elephant over her face. So of course there's a little struggle to hold a hung elephant, but you know she knows what she's doing. She's an Amazon, and that's and in front of the guy that slept with her mom. This is the weirdest review I've ever been to. Sean and I are no longer the worst parents ever. <laughs> Right? I'm not the worst father. Apparently, I'm really the father, too, remember? Oh, yeah. Well, from here, Supergirl's got an idea, and she goes and whispers in Beast Boy's ear, and you can see his face getting a little happy and a little excited about this idea. Knowing Beast Boy, she could have whispered any number of things in that time. However, he didn't turn into a brontosaurus or a brachiosaur, perhaps. It was a brachiosaur. It was, but I I actually looked that up because I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta get the look for the head right on this one. I looked it up at the brachiosaurus. Into like, it's good to see that Supergirl's like very well versed in uh, the like the lore of the dinosaurs. Yet. So um, turning into that to show off the Kryptonian strength that she has because it's enough to destroy an unbreakable alloy wall. So she ends up uh, taking it above. She ends up taking a. The, uh, the larger animal above her head, Giggity, and uh, holding it up there, everyone's cheering about it. She decides to be a show-off. You know, she's feeling a little more comfortable in her environment, but we all know how Beast Boy gets when he's held up by one hand. Apparently, he's all way fucking wobbly. And uh, he ends up uh, toppling over from Supergirl's uh, grip there and uh, almost crushing everyone. But lucky for us, Beast Boy is still very agile, and he turns into a small bird on the way down. But he did it at the last like yo fuck you guys and shit on your shoulders and please yo he totally did that on purpose beast boy's a dick 
he is. But shit, if Raven don't love that Animal Kingdom, you know? By animal She's kingdom. someone who you never see in the background. That's so weird because Raven loves that greenness. What I like to think is Raven is the goth girl hanging out behind the school. Oh, shit. She's the one fucking smoking weed in the back. She would have been hanging out with us, basically. Well done, Reeve. Well, that's absolutely hilarious. But what isn't hilarious is the potential danger that Supergirl seemingly put everyone in, and that got her in trouble with the teacher there. She wasn't feeling so hot about it. Uh, especially yeah, in the cafeteria, where we do see a couple more cool cameos. Uh, you see Brick and Arrowette from the new 52 Teen Titans. I thought that was really cool that they threw Brick in there. Yeah, he's not a character that gets much love. Like, he made an appearance at the uh, At World's End Teen Titans story, but really you don't see him used that much anymore. No, and when he is, it's just kind of a, I guess it's kind of a spot filler. Well, if you think about his power set, he really is just a ringless lantern. Oh, yeah. I was wearing this bomber jacket. It was just so cool. I like that shit. Yeah, we saw him sitting at a table with uh, the red arrowette, which was a really cool. Like, she had what looked like the Artemis costume, but rendered in red. It looked really nice, didn't it? Shit, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> while she's in there and shit, like, amongst uh, all the various people, Supergirl doesn't know where to sit. She's even more anxious than before, and she's overhearing everybody's conversations, especially the one where Wonder Woman is describing what happened in gym class, in which case, uh, unfortunately, Supergirl only caught like a certain part of it as Wonder Woman wasn't actually meeting any ill intent about it. Supergirl just uh, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, Wonder Woman was actually putting her over to everyone at the table. She just happened to only catch the setup and didn't stay for the rest of it. Yeah, you know, and Wonder Woman wasn't even wrong about it, and and she was just like, oh, you know, it happened. It's over and done with. We're all safe. Gar was a dick about it. So, uh, so this causes uh, SG to uh, feel bad about herself. And the person she goes to for help uh, turns out to be Barbara. Absolutely. As she made way to Barbara, Ivy manages to catch up to the sleuths that were looking into the case of who's been trying to bust into the boom tube room. And uh, she winds up telling him about the uh, bamboo leaf and uh, it, the signs lead over to Grodd there, primarily because they're looking over and Gorilla uh, Grodd seems to be looking back and eating bamboo, along with other members of the faculty as well. Barry really has it in for this monkey because he's like, yeah, no, it's fucking rotten. Uh, it doesn't matter what details we grab except like in excess from gear, it's fucking rotten. He was all up in his fucking business about that shit. So, uh, cutting to uh, Batgirl catching up with Supergirl after dipping, um, you know, she's down in dumps about down in the dumps about her first impression uh, overall at school, um, and uh, Barbara's like, "Yo, check this shit out!" And it, just a bunch of bats go flying out of nowhere after she rings uh, the bell of the tower there, and well, of course, like a lot of women, the factor of like rapid flapping rodents in the sky is a little freaky, and. Uh, Barbara goes on to explain uh, how they make the best of their situation. They adapt to it, and uh, they utilize their strength uh, to the best of their abilities. And she insinuates that, you know, uh, just got to keep practicing until you get the notch for it. 
Now, it's weird because we do see Barry Allen as part of the school. Uh, the Kents made reference uh, earlier in the film about, oh, your cousin Clark did so well in this school. Well, your cousin we Superman did so well in this school. They, yeah. they still use Clark's name for this. Uh, now, the one thing that we only get a Easter egg nod to towards the end of the film is there is no mention of Batman existing in this universe. Which is fairly interesting. Like, they, it's insinuated by the inclusion of a few characters, but they didn't make any direct acknowledgement to him, which was really, really strange. You know, you don't see that a lot in um, widespread movies that could easily uh, pay off by having mentioned the Dark Knight. And over the next couple of months, because we're definitely not doing these back to back, we'll stretch these out. Uh, we will find out if Batman even exists at all in any of these films. Uh, however, we, we get down to Batgirl agrees to help start training Supergirl. And that's by means of a really cool obstacle course that she whipped up. Uh, it's uh, filled with all manner of uh, stop surprises, twists and turns. And uh, will surely help Supergirl in her progression to better maneuver uh, along with her thoughts and uh, better act in action and shit. Um, so they put together this um, this bit of training montage there, which shows her going through uh, this uh, pipe setup uh, like a few times, and uh, just going on to different parts of uh, training together, including Babs getting into uh, a fitter, a more fit shape. Uh, especially given the inclusion of being a superhero herself later on will be most beneficial. And now that she's uh, like, you know, gone this trek with Supergirl, she's in like, you know, pretty much top shape of crime fighting. Yeah. And this is where we got a line that this is a children, like for little girls under eight years old. Uh, between eight and 10 or uh, 12, I would say. Probably. As low as the toy range says from like yeah. five and up. Yeah. Well, there's an exchange of lines here between I believe it was Barbara and Supergirl where Barbara mentions that she has a major wedgie so Supergirl references so that's why superheroes wear spandex absolutely uh, heroes wearing spandex uh, is just uh, absolutely hilarious uh, let's see uh, from there uh, they're still going on to train and everything like that Hold on, Sean is still reacting to that line. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's a motherfucking thong innuendo in this. Wow. Well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's not the worst innuendo in the film. We'll get to that. There's a, still quite a that few insinuated cool. there. I mean, like, you'll have to pardon my surprise there. I just had a, you know, a brief uh, stare down with the a vehicle goer. It was a policeman officer. He was just driving by, and then he pulled in. He's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And I just had to stop while we relegated on this line. I'm like, okay, there's enough emotional pause for me to just like, what are you... I'm looking at him, I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you want? And of course, You're a grown man talking about a children's cartoon for little girls and how they made a reference to wearing a thong. That's what it, that's exactly what I did. I had to I had to cover it I had to cover it over, but I said I'm sorry, I'm doing a podcast right now. What? And he's like, Oh, oh okay, sorry about that. Like, come on now. What the fuck? 
Jesus Christ, apparently I'm disrupting the fucking neighborhood by sitting out here and talking about a children's cartoon show. Where the fuck are my amendments? Like, uh, just madness. I know he probably just thought I might have been crazy or some shit like that. How dare you be out in a COVID situation talking about a podcast? Well, it's from here that Batgirl decides, you know what? I'm going to go to Wonder Woman. She's going to be the one that helps push Supergirl to the next level. Uh, Wonder Woman, of course, thought that Supergirl was there to, you know, one-up her on everything, almost be her competition. When Barbara explains, nah, she's your biggest fan. She just wants to be you. Which, you know, inflates the ego of Princess Diana enough to humble herself to help this alien. And it turns out it did absolute marvels for her training regiment. Uh, she improved that much. Her, her esteem was up, and she was very well ready to utilize her power in proper fashion. Uh, and, you know, from here, Barbara's like, you know what? I've, I've got to leave the school. I'm all finished up here. That's why I've hooked you up with Wonder Woman. But before we go, I made you a present, and she gives her a little risk communicator. That only, it's like a two-way radio for just the two of them. Yeah, I think that's a pretty clever invention there because it could uh, hide easily, but it all varies on how you set up the audio there. I mean, you wouldn't actually want to be in a situation where they reply back at a full-blown volume if you're trying to talk to Batman or some shit like that. So um, with it like that, it's fairly simple. Good way just for two friends to stay in touch, but it could have much more potential in the field. Not only that, but if this were a CW series, the two of them would have started dating. Oh, good God. Don't give them any ideas. We're going to be in for another wedding. But it's also here that Supergirl gives Barbara the Batgirl outfit. Oh, man. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, That's what she went to Katana for during uh, that training regiment there. Uh, at first, I actually thought she was uh, asking for like a redesign on her outfit, and then we get like a, a whole new, uh, more practical style of uh, Supergirl going uh, through the film. But uh, yeah, Robert uh, Katana is master of home economics. Yeah. Like, what is what is with them in using DC villains for such you know proper influential like uh, just in. Uh, teachers, I guess. Uh, it's the best way to put it. Uh, teachers, just overall uh, educational-based personalities. When, uh, you know who would have been the perfect choice to be the costume designer in the school? Oh, quote man? Vixen? Uh, the model? Right. She is a model. I was thinking hilariously, well, that's actually very considerate. Right? She's highly regarded as one, both in the comic and alternative uh, uh, animated series, especially the Justice League Unlimited. And she was a member of John Oslander's Os- Suicide Squad. Oh my god. God damn it. That would have been way cooler. She has way more of a place there than fucking Tana. Well, it's from here where we cut to Amanda Waller telling Grodd, you know what, we're going to have to suspend you, it'll be with pay, and he's like, nah, fuck you, I quit. 
yeah, all they're trying to do is get to the bottom of it. If he's innocent, what is he getting angry about? Like, I'd be in kind of a bit of a an anxious uh, rut there as to, you know, why am I being, like, framed for this? Why don't they believe me? Like, uh, is my villain past going to have anything to do with the influence I set on my defense? And I guess he just found it easier to throw a fit and quit. But since he's part of that, quote, work program, quote, <laughs> Isn't he concerned about a severance package, wink, wink? Or perhaps being thrown back in prison for quitting his job? Or maybe having his fucking head blown off. Wow. We all seem fucking this morning. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier at the end of the review. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Superman and Lois as well. That shit's really exciting. We'll, we'll talk about uh, all the TV of the week after we're done the review here. Yeah. Uh, because we, apparently there's a crime alert going down at Eclipso Jewelry, where Giganta is robbing it. Um, there is a, there's a regiment familiar to us uh, from earlier on in the film. Uh, quite a few of the heroes, actually, working together for the first time as well as beforehand. And um, we have... Uh, He's boy again, the only guy. Yeah. Uh, and it, you've shown Hal Gordon, you've shown Barry Allen. But Beast Boy is the one you most want here. I mean, given how this progressed, I can see why. Friend? Sean is saying Beast Boy is like the gay bisexual best friend. Where he's allowed to hang out with the girls. He's the only one allowed to hang out with women. I think he's one of those guys, like, you see memes about it and shit where people are like, you know, me pretending to be gay so I can watch my female friends and dress. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's he's gotta be that guy. But uh he's set with uh Ivy and Harley uh for crowd control. They gotta make sure this crowd gets uh, somewhere safe and I think uh Ivy and Beast Boy are better suited for this sort of thing. Harley's loud, so of course uh, she's gonna be able to get everyone's attention. And um a few of the heavy hitter heavier hitters are uh, assigned to a Wonder Woman's team in regards to taking down uh, Giganta. The likes of a uh, Supergirl and Cheetah are uh, with her for this. Um so uh, they happen to be uh, flying about doing their things, combating her. There's a car that gets thrown at Diane, and she finds out a modification made to her shield by Barbara was uh, laser fire uh, within her shield, and uh, it managed to explode the car and prevent Wonder Woman from being throttled by flying metal. Um, Which was fucking weird. Really, really weird. That's a, she, Why is a shield shooting shit? That's just absolute. Where is power coming from? Like, if you wanted a shield that shot shit, then just get a tank. Get a tank and shoot down Giganta. Just plug one in her gut and bim, bam, boom. You know, you got a body. It'll shrink down after she's dead. It's during this that Supergirl's like, I've got my shot here, and goes to laser beam heat vision Giganta, misses, somehow the heat vision reflects off of a building's surface, and singes Bumblebee, instead of just blowing up this building. Uh, Absolutely, it's just, like, why didn't it just melt right through the fucking glass? Instead of bounce off and melted Bumblebee's suit. I gotta give Bumblebee credit, like, for a lot of the times that they're, like, thinking and trying to come up with some sort of attack plan and just talking amongst themselves and shit. Bumblebee is just soloing at Giganta, and she is just narrowly escaping swipes and 
uh, projectiles thrown her way and shit, and she is just beasting the shit out of her. Like, she put in a good effort on that. So for her to be brought down, like, that was just total shit, especially since Cheetah had to open her fat fucking trap, and instead of being, like, a team player, she ended up uh, just bringing her down about it, bringing back... Yeah, I wrote, that, I wrote down here that Cheetah is being quite catty. <laughs> oh, I think you're so brilliant. Well, I'm just jealous. I didn't think of that. So, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's a, it's a fun. Yeah, I don't give them credit for how much they put Bumblebee front and center. Yeah, uh, I know Young Justice gained her a lot of popularity, but this series in particular seems, you know, hell bent on making her an A list character. And props to them for that. Yeah, they've been working. DC's been working really hard on that shit. Like going into those features, Teen Titans Go, um, even uh, a little more inclusion in regards to uh, the DC anime, like uh, Prince and shit. So they've done a lot of good for the character. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, I just tripped over my phone cord and it fell on the ground. Fucking cord. Jesus Christ. They're a tricky bunch. So after getting singed from there, uh, Supergirl uh, decided that after being given sp- like specific instructions to stay and do this by the team leader, she decides, you know what? I'm Nah, man, I'm just going to go. The team leader she admires and aspires to be like. And she just takes off in front of her hero. Like, what kind of impression is that? It's just absolute silliness. So she ends up dipping off while the, everyone's left to like fight Giganta. And apparently they've been fighting Giganta for a while because a couple of things uh, take place in the meantime there. And these things are just things that kind of would make somebody forget that, you know, a fight with Giganta is even going on. Yeah, and we'll cut back to the fight with Giganta. But first, we actually have to cut into the library where it turns out Granny Goodness has got herself a pet parademon named Perry. Absolutely. Supergirl's looking to return uh, the books that she had taken out from the library from there. She's decided she's better off on Korrigar than uh, staying here at the, the Superhero High. Um, and Granny thinks, uh, you know what, why don't you just break into the boom tube room? I won't tell anybody it was you. Um, apparently there's no security cameras that will either, so you can just go in, bust the doors open, and use a boom tube. I'll help you out and shit, just so long as you keep quiet about Perry being here because I'm not supposed to have pets. Yeah, then Supergirl's like, okay, all this sounds like it's on the up and up to me. Yeah, and if Granny Granny was actually allowed in there, don't you think she would have had access? Yeah, unfortunately they portray Supergirl on the show as a fucking idiot. Three quarters of the goddamn cast of this school, all like everybody is fucking stupid. Apparently, Barry can't catch anything. Supergirl. To be fair, Supergirl has been uh in on Earth. For I about would a month, say, I think about they a said. month, they said. So, really, I kind of understand, but seriously, really that dumb. She's supposed to have super intellect as well. A month. And, and plus she was what, four, or 13 when uh, she was put in the pod? So and she then, woke up at 13 still. So she still worked at, uh, woke up at 13. She, you would think she would still know something. 
and she was just taken in by farm folk without any questions exactly. asked whatsoever. But you would think growing up the daughter of two scientists in Argo would City. No, something w- was off. Or, like, would know how to, like, speak or anything. Oh, my God, what is with that? And it only nope. took her, it took her under a month to learn the entirety of the English language. Exactly. You can't really do that, but she could try. Although, to be fair, I thought Perry the Parademon was adorable. Perry was, was a, a really fun idea. What's his name? Perry, the Parademon. Perry, the Parademon. This is when we cut back to the fight, though. After they broke into the boom tube room, where they've got Giganta all ready to be locked up. And Harley Quinn has a pair of fuzzy handcuffs in the black and red, in Giganta's size, ready to go. I couldn't stop laughing from there because this insinuates as well that she's just ready to fuck. <laughs> this is a cartoon for prepubescent little girls. And you're bringing, come on, Jay. And you're bringing, Yeah, come on. These ass <laughs> handcuffs. Yeah, right, Jay. Why couldn't they just be regular handcuffs? Why couldn't they be regular handcuffs? <laughs> <laughs> because young girls think fluffy things are cute so fluffy handcuffs works Jake. hell use elongated woman as your handcuffs listen we don't want you punching people in the face but if there's a dick yes. you gotta sit on it like you just gotta go how listen. did anyone pitch this joke <laughs> it was probably a bunch of guys thinking it's hilarious that'd be awesome adults would catch on to it that's very considerate of them. It was probably for the parents, to be honest. Well, it's totally for the parents. However, there's just some jokes that you leave on the editing floor. So, um, These are the same people that think Harley and Joker are a good couple. Right? So, absolutely. Speaking of Joker's relationships, I can never take punchline seriously because she looks like someone we went to high school with. She looks like a wannabe juggalette. Oh. I can see that. Kind of does, yeah. And, well, look what she turned out to be. Yeah, Echo on Gotham gets that vibe sometimes, but Punchline seriously just looks like someone that got cut out of an ICP music video. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, she completely just, like, flip-flopped her role, and uh, there's no insanity behind it. It It's just a a kid doing kid shit. uh, So let that mind continue us. Oh my god, uh, where were we here? Oh yeah, that's right after the funny cup. So uh, after she's all arrested, uh, they make a you know their usual ending pun there, and uh, she's got to be taken to the really big house because apparently that joke about a big house is there. But um, back in uh, Waller's office, uh, the Granny and the Fury just happen to knock ever so violently, and uh, they utilize their technology uh, to just take over, like, Waller's mind and whatnot, and they just uh, assume control of the scoop. 
uh, yeah, using the uh, the you know another good little Easter egg they put in the amethyst crystal. Yeah, the amethyst crystal is uh, synonymous with all kinds of like bad brain behavior. So with this being included in here, it made the whole premise behind uh, the mind control easier to tell. They had uh, this apocalyptic technology is slam packed onto the front of it. Uh, once they turned it on and shit, uh, Waller wasn't the only one taken over. Uh, the entirety of the school came under the control of uh, Granny Goodness. It was a mother box with spider legs. Yeah, I thought that was pretty nifty. Uh, interesting way to hook into the crystal, but uh, still kind of just a little random for the look of a mother box, you know? I mean, with its uh, visible material, why wouldn't you just kind of like melt it into the crystal? And the only way to you know, stop it is to turn it off or destroy the crystal. That would have been something else. But they did make mention earlier on in the movie that the crystal was powerful enough that if destroyed, it, it could make, it could produce like a this nuclear bomb-like blast. So that would be... Yeah, but just have that hanging out at a high school. Right. So, um, after finding all this jazz out... Uh, after uh, learning about Granny Goodness's plans, uh, Barbara getting uh, uh, Supergirl out of uh, the boom tube room, like away from the kryptonite, huge help at that. So I guess the uh, friendship bracelets really came in handy for this situation. So, um, so they make it back uh, to uh, her little lab area, and uh, Bab starts whipping up some anti-control tech. Uh, but she needs a crystal base uh, for the projection of the frequency to work. So Supergirl, having received uh, this uh, fancy little lucky charm, it had a nice little crystal base to it. So uh, Barbara could utilize it into uh, making the tech a lot more, uh, you know, uh, capable for the mission ahead. In which case, she's provided with a little remote with uh, crystal heading to it to just uh, point and click like a TV remote to turn people off from the control. And uh, mm. handy set of um, frequency earrings. Apparently, she could just whip up three piece of technological advancement in the span of 15 fucking seconds. Just absolutely mm -hmm. baffling. Um, so when handed off this uh, technological marvel, throughout all the trials and tribulations and training, uh, Supergirl invites Barbara to come along with her. In fact, she insists that she does because she has done nothing but been an absolute help and it, a great influence on uh, Kara's presence throughout the entirety of their appointments. So uh, the bonds really forge here, and Barbara gets a chance to suit up into the Batgirl suit. So uh, that's what love does, sir. It empowers you. I mean, that's a, that's one thing that uh, this uh, this movie is good for is really, really uh, progressing uh, uh, that kind of uh, message. Because though a lot of the a lot of the points be short, senseless, silly, and questionable. Um, it really portrays like the whole magic of friendship thing and, uh, you know, teaches the younger audience to, you know, uh, be cool, be heroes, uh, you know, be nice. To each other. There, there's no friendship, sir. Cut the pretext. They're, they're fucking dating at this point. Oh, these two specifically? Yeah. That girl and Supergirl are dating in high school at this point. Oh, totally. Oh, man. They're, they're scissoring harder than fucking two Wolverines going at each other. Like, and I'm sure Bryce has already done fan art for that too. Good. Right. Uh, that... Did you see his Demona thing that he posted yes, this I week? Did. Who's Demona? Demona from the Gargoyles. Like, who did this? Bryce. Bryce did. Oh, no, I didn't. 
No, Bryce did a commission for someone, sir. Oh, okay. It's exactly what you think it is. Oh, fantastic. It is yeah. from the gargoyles. Big teddy, big booty. That's fine. But this is also where they throw in another Easter egg, which I thoroughly enjoyed, of course, because they do the Smash Cut 1960s logo with the back of the that we use. They do that with the Batgirl logo. All right. That's, yeah. It's a nice little nod uh, towards the 60s there. So at least um, we get that much of a Batman nod, you know, other than just a mild mention. It's like they knew I'd be watching it and they had to keep my attention somehow. So Bab's all done up there and she looks fantastic. He's like all not fucking. Leave it on. I'm and uh, she has that uh, little popping uh, bit there. Just a nice little nudge to uh, altering, the, altering the voice to a Batman style voice. It was a nice little reference, I think. Yeah, well, call me Batgirl. Oh, sorry, there's a frog in my throat. <laughs> Aww. And it wasn't Beast Boy. No, that was an entire practice where it's like she can rain them like a champ. Good job, Barbara. So after uh, that all uh, suit up is done there, uh, we get back to uh, Granny Goodness. She's all a yo, uh, Barda, you and this going to go outside keep guard there. And then I think it was uh, Harriet and uh, somebody, I think it was Harriet Stompers and and they were keeping guard inside the office, which was a pretty neat little setup there. You know, I got a powerful force out front and got an equally powerful force actually uh, taking the back. It's a pretty fly shit. So Supergirl and uh, Batgirl are on the scene. They're looking to apply the uh, frequency disruptor to the amethyst. Uh, it's the best way to be able to uh, project a cancellation uh, wave uh, towards like the amethyst mother box full setup. Uh, so Amethyst is Amethyst was deployed, and uh, she starts firing off uh, arrows towards uh, Batgirl, noticing that there was a second assailant amongst uh, the distraction of Supergirl. Top. So um, amongst all the climbing, uh, Vice Principal Broad took notice to this, like in a hilarious sitcom fashion. He's like, "Man, I gotta move out of this neighborhood," but. <laughs> He did move out of the neighborhood, but in a fashion that was more selfless than a, a sitcom uh, base of any kind. So he managed to take an arrow for Batgirl along for means to, you know, get shit done. And Grodd fucking- Yeah, we have seen Grodd in the past pull these selfless acts, uh, occasionally helping out the good guys. So to see them include that with his arc, especially when they've been, you know, accusing him of being the bad guy this entire time, for him to jump in front of an apocalyptic arrow from, you know, Darkseid's Artemis, taking that straight into the, the collarbone, you know, almost trying to sacrifice his own life to save Barbara's. And the way he crashed down, too, that was just... Yeah, the only thing that was missing from this was, like, the season one DCAU blood we would have got. Oh my god, yeah. Like a lot of the, a lot of the films we watch, we'd expect at least a little splatter. A little sure. But I thought that was a great moment for Grodd, and it really showed whose side he's on currently. Absolutely. It um defi- it certainly defined uh, his innocence in the situation, especially again with that selfless and fantastic act that he's right there. Uh, really to help the students and shit, showing that the uh, 
a work release program that is really taking into effect there. So imagine a universe where Amanda Waller's mission is succeeding. That's bless you. And we will be, we've gone over our usual time here, but we will be back after this last break with the conclusion of this film. And then we are going to talk DC and comic book TV of the week. Totally down for that. We'll be back. All right, we are back and we are getting into the conclusion of this film. Uh, Grodd just took that arrow. We're in our giant battle scene. And uh, now that the uh, frequency's turned off, everybody's been alerted to uh, the no goodery from Granny Goodness, and the Furies are taking stage to take part in this giant rumble, too. I mean, a high school full of superheroes, especially amongst DCs, like most renowned names. And, uh, of course, the uh, team of female lethal warriors on the side of the apocalypse forces. So the likes of uh, Stompa, Matt Harriet, Big Barda, Artemis, Speed Demon. Uh, it's bound to be one hell of a fucking skirmish uh, between everybody here. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that we would have got, you know, if Big Barda is there, how come Mr. Miracle didn't show up? I thought he did. I would like I would like for him to at least like show up a little later on from this production, so that way if uh, Barda's uh, insinuated interests in uh, the ways of Earth uh, come to fruition, there she can come to the school, start working at you know reforming and everything. But in the meantime, as well, also meet uh, another kid in the school, Scott Free, and then they could just kind of hit it off with little pokes and tones every once in a while, and then when it comes to like a a dance event or a prom event or some shit like that. Boom, Barda has a prom date. Boom, you have a, a like a point of interest with this uh, actually being like an episode or a feature of any kind, and this relationship to be heavily focused on. Yeah, I'll actually have to do some reading up on what some of the episode continuity and characters are. Uh, because honestly, there's a lot of potential with this series that they waste with ADD storytelling. The whole series ADD. Uh, I would have rather them take a superhero squad approach, which is what I was really hoping for going into this, because honestly, I think Superhero Squad is one of the most underrated children's superhero cartoons that have ever come out. To the day. To the day. Of just ADD shit, it's bullshit. Uh, all of all of Thor's quotes pretty much made that series. Uh, that shit was uh, like his moment alone was Marvel's Teen Titans Go. It's absolutely hilarious, action packed, and uh, still relevant, really. Yeah, I, I could honestly boot up Disney right now and watch Superhero Squad and find new and hilarious things about it, especially once they get past the reptile introduction character story. Oh my god. Yeah. Christ, if you wanted to focus on him so badly, just make an Avengers Academy TV series, like back when it was fucking popular, back when you were making a like people could make a big ah, about- see? there's where you get confused sir reptile was invented for superhero squad and then brought into avengers academy that is true yeah that you could have just used him for avengers academy in general and 
just you know cut the middleman of the whole like introduction for the superhero squad thing i mean if you killed him in avengers academy i might have been a little more interested because right. back then back then those new and obscure names um in uh marvel's the you know gallery of heroes and shit a lot of these kids wouldn't have even been spoken of unless arcade's place killed them well, this is where in the big battle scene we get what I think is the greatest moment as Big Perry the Parademon gets smotted and he turns into thousands of little tiny Funko versions of Perry the Parademon. Uh, you know it would be a fucking fantastic twist? You know, you know the cartoon Phineas and Ferb? No. I, I've heard of it. I've never personally seen an episode of okay. Phineas and Ferb. Oh, I have. Okay, it's so, so I, yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. A great segue into it is that they did a crossover with uh, Marvel's Avengers, and it, it was just absolutely hilarious. It's just like a, a one-off thing they did, and it would at least get you interested in the aspect of like Perry the Platypus and shit. But uh, instead of Perry the Platypus, you change it with Perry the Parrot. And so anytime they ask, "Hey, where's Perry?" he's just stealing people. Infecting them with mother box technology and shit. They just. I know someone on my uh, one of my uh, crochet groups that made him. <laughs> it was amazing. He looked exactly like him. All right, so that is a show that I'm getting two people both saying I should oh, I yeah. should check totally. out at least a few episodes of this. Totally. Uh, the first bit of Phineas and Ferb. Uh, Phineas. Uh, Phineas has a. A voice actor change partway through the series and the second voice actor I think is better than the first one but uh, it's still the same premise it's still the same personality and they got just these wacky inventions and a lot of a lot of the humor it's just you gotta watch for like little nods of stupidity and how they mention stuff and uh, it will seriously bring questions up but you'll enjoy it like it's graphic falls enjoyable what streaming platform can I find this on? Disney um, Plus, sir. On um, Brave and stuff. All right. Well, someone send me uh, a confirmation of it's where. On Disney, so it's probably on Disney. On Disney Plus. Plus. All right. I will check that out. Yeah, it is a it is a hilarious show. It's a uh, it's cheap. It's a uh, you know pretty pretty giggleable and uh, creative, more or less creative. You will love. Well, Creative Granny Goodness has turned her cookie jar into a grenade. <laughs> the cookie cluster bomb, the granny grenade. That shit is wildly hilarious considering it's a bomb and a jar lid. You can just take the lid off and then fly away with it and save the cookies. She destroyed. Yeah, that is a waste of a jar of cookies. Man, like. I would have loved, I would have loved like a victory cookie, but uh, oh. you had to let Karen take it up to space and shit. Uh, it was to, to just blow shit up, and uh, after they got uh, Perry out of the way, uh, they managed to you know catch up with Granny and take her down. I mean, all the different uh, theories went down by a pretty creative manners there. Uh, Stompa versus Shiva, like Shiva got like thrown around, and it was just absolutely like pain striking to watch her being thrown around by her hair like that uh harriet and cheetah uh the way they went down there uh was pretty exciting uh but it was the uh clunky loner phone with the save there and uh, thanks to bully tactics uh cheetah got to harriet into a locker and locked her up uh wonder woman somehow 
miraculously like acne turns things around on Artemis. Uh, and uh, Stampa walked on the grass when Ivy clearly would, you know, not want people walking on the grass. You know how that kind of shit goes. And uh, yeah, Bart is the last one to get taken down by the hilarious obstacle course used in uh, various montages from earlier on. So after Granny was the only one left and uh, tried using the uh, Granny Grenade, Perry uh, went down into like a billion little Perrys and it, it was just it was just messy for a bit. You know, they wound up cleaning house. Granny got taken in and uh, the uh, deadly cookie guard got taken into space. And it, I'm guessing space because it exploded at a safe distance and where a Kryptonian goes it blow up, obviously, with the space. So when that was it, uh, they thought that harm would have come to Supergirl, but uh, apparently uh, the apocalyptic people don't plan for Kryptonian saviors and don't pack kryptonite into their bomb. So Supergirl came down unharmed, and uh, she was really happy she could use her strength and flight to move away from the populated area so quickly. Yeah, and then we cut back to Amanda Waller's office where she's then explaining exactly where Granny Goodness went. And I thought this was a, a funny little nod because she has been locked up at the Bell Rev Detention and Juvenile uh, Center. The old lady, Judy. Because it's also the Bell Rev Prison. Oh, okay. It was, and a rod with the whole, like, allow me to be honest that it really fits in uh, his uh, profile as that nutty kind of uh, vice principal figure. Like, he was the Don Knotts of a high school, but the rough tumble Don. You know who he reminds me of, if you think about it? Uh, Hank McCoy's Beast from X-Men Evolution. Does he? <laughs> he also reminds me of, um, I can't remember his name. He was the serious bird in the Muppets. Sam the Eagle? Sam the Eagle. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Sam the Eagle. He reminds me of a gorilla Sam the Eagle. Yeah. Oh, God. You are all nincompoops. Speaking of uh, Muppets, I found a, uh, a blanket for Jay that is the sweetest chef that is crochet. Nice. I think I might try it. Oh, boy. Oh. Chef, come on. Uh, and of course we have the big podium scene where Amanda Waller is thanking everyone and she does introduce Batgirl as the newest superhero in Superhero High. Even Cheetah was all like, yo, your shit really helped me out. And she uh, kind of held back from calling her a con now that she really proved herself as a community. <laughs> So that is the end of Superhero Girl, Superhero High. We have talked about this movie longer than it actually aired. Yeah. And it, it, it was a trog to get through, but fun to talk about. Oh, definitely. Because uh, even still now, I'm very much questioning a lot of various aspects of the film. But certain parts of the film uh, did redeem a little bit by showing uh, the sense and style of control certain characters had. So uh, the likes of uh, the warrior influence of uh, Diana, you know, uh, to being a, a proper role model for these guys. Uh, mm -hmm. Not to mention Waller's uh, strict and secure fashions for everything like that. Uh, Rod, uh, 
clearly whatever uh, piece of cutlery he shoved in his ass, he's not poking it out. And uh, just a lot of the kind of the bad girl figures or uh, just kind of the nutty ones. Um, they can see they can seem nice, but you know, psychotic supervillains and all that. You know, you don't just go from taking over to taking over the world to you know selfies and besties kind of shit like out of the blue. And we will be stretching these out uh, maybe once a month just so we can have a bit of a palate cleanser in between. What about like one episode then something else? Yeah, maybe we'll do uh, the episode we've got planned for next week and then we'll follow it up with the next Superhero Girls uh, because next week, because I needed a palate cleanser for something fun off the wall in Looney. Mize, this was something you suggested uh, for something around Halloween time. However, I think doing it around Easter time is just as fitting as Halloween for me. Oh. And next week, we are, it's the one I texted you about. We will be doing Scooby-Doo meets Batman Brave and the Bold. I certainly can't wait for that one. Uh, being a huge Scooby-Doo fan. It's certainly uh, just think maybe and Dracula. make a mistake. But if Jay is right, we will be punished. Dracula one time. You had it coming. I've not gone against my word. You'll all suffer. That's right. We are just going to prolong the suffering just a little bit, just so we can get a palate cleanser of things in between. Uh, Shauna wants to wants us to do the Batman versus Dracula, Dracula coming up soon. So I'm thinking maybe next week we'll do the uh, normal one, the Scooby Doo, the Scooby Doo, and then we'll do a superhero girl, and then we'll do uh, Batman versus, which would be our episode that comes out right before 4:20. Yeah. Or should we flip that and do the oh, Scooby Doo yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Let's... Well, that would be a, that would be a pretty interesting one. Okay, so we'll do Dracula next week. Then we'll do Superhero Girls the week after that. And then the following week, we'll do the Scooby-Doo one just because it's closer to 420. And I got the I got the Batman Dracula one already saved down there. I downloaded it eons ago. And I got to tell you, it's a Batman feature I, I don't get tired of. It's um, not one of the like top ones amongst top animated films that I enjoy, but it is certainly up there as one that I would watch uh, quite frequently. Like, I, I even make suggestions of. I mean, you got Tom Kenny as the Penguin, uh, Richardson as uh, Joker. Uh, even uh, the Batman's voice himself is fantastic. And in the series, uh, pretty sure it's been made mention of uh, earlier as well that uh, Mayor Green in this show is voiced by Adam West, which is uh, just a nice uh, reference, nice callback on that front. And the series in general uh, it's just absolutely fun except for like uh, the first couple of seasons and they were all doing their pajama look their arkham asylum pajama look uh, i thought that was kind of dumb i like their transition of their actual suits and uh, the way their stories have progressed from there we even get visits from familiar voice actors from previous animated incarnations such as uh lancy brown as lex luthor uh we get uh superman voice actor but uh, we get him for uh, that front there. Um, it's just a fun ride overall, and this movie is no different than the series. 
Perfect. So I do look forward to getting into that. But before we can even get to next week, let's talk about superhero TV. Uh, before we get into our big DC stuff, we'll go over everything else. Uh, of course, Falcon and Winter Soldier dropped episode two today. Uh, the, the Star Spangled Man episode. Uh, I loved the inclusion of Elijah Bradley and then getting into the red, white, and black storyline. Absolutely. A lot of this red, white, black uh, stuff that's been going on has really been taking like uh, the comic world by storm, both uh, televised and on print as well. Uh, I think Wolverine being one of the originators for uh, the black, white, red bit, then I remember uh, seeing uh, I actually picked up the Carnage title that got released. He got a black, white, red. And then uh, going on to see this, uh, this was something else. And the end of episode one as well was something else with a uh, John Walker uh, as that Captain America. I kept on like, I'm like, no, U.S. agent. So anytime I would talk about it, like I, I, talk, I spoke about it with other people as well. They're like, yeah, and they even got to do Captain. I'm like, nope, it's not Captain America. It's U.S. agent. Well, to be fair, even in the comics, John Walker did start off as a replacement Captain America. He did. He was the black-suited one for the longest period of time. And then when uh, Rogers came back, uh, you can't very well just like John Walker was a fantastic Captain America uh, in the older comics. I will give him that for sure. Uh, He has been uh, a relentless force over the years as well in uh, regards to like uh, Force Works, uh, West Coast Avengers, uh, as well as an individual uh, power on his own. Even like, hey, hey, you're forgetting his most important run, and that's a member of Canada's team, Omega Flight. That's oh my god, that's right. I did forget about that. Holy shit! Like Omega Flight was uh, quite a force to be reckoned with when uh, they were introduced uh, post uh, like Alpha Flight's demise. Michael Pointer, the Shaman, Beta Ray Bill, fucking Spider Woman. You know what Snowbird did to commemorate their memory? Slept with Hercules. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do not tolerate any kind of slander towards John Walker because he defended Canada. I mean, he is he is like a true U.S. agent. You know, he's defended the nation. So that's North America. That's fucking Central America, South America. This man is like everything you look forward to in a Captain America that could replace Captain America. But my God, how his fucking ears popped out there. I'm like, oh my God, Grogu's the new Captain America. Yay. Grogu <laughs> fell over. You killed Grogu. <laughs> What's great though is he's actually the the actor is the real life son of Kurt Russell, which makes uh, in headcanon, U.S. agent is now Star Lord's brother. Stop! Oh my god! For real, he's actually it's actually Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, yeah, legit. He's the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. He also, uh, when Marvel was first casting the first Avenger, he went out for the role of Steve Rogers and didn't get it. Well, it clearly paid out for him in the long run because uh, I guess he just kept trying and uh, they noticed his effort. Well, there you have it. 
Uh, also, of course, I did mention at the top of the show, Invincible dropped its first three episodes. I thought the show was fan. I am not as versed in yeah, the. Yeah, we don't know it. I, I don't know the Invincible Image universe as well as I should, and I do apologize about that. But this show was fucking fantastic. I love their flash. Red Rush. Red Rush. Yeah. Oh, baby. Uh, yeah, the next time you go, the next time you go shopping for stuff to read, if you're looking for a new title for yourself, and yeah, even though you're watching Invincible, definitely read on that shit because that has been a powerful force in comic history. It's fantastic. Yeah, next time I'm in, I'm in town and Gary's got one of his weekend trade sales down at 725 Burden Street at Burden's Comics, uh, I might go down there and just pick up a few volumes of the trade. Oh, fuck. You know, that totally reminds me, too, like, uh, amongst the stuff that I was reading there. Uh, of course, uh, aside from the Carnage Red, White, Black, which was a genius, uh, uh, just kind of a collection of uh, little stories to put in there, uh, the Harley Quinn book was surprisingly, like, relevant. It introduced uh, St. Industries, uh, like, a uh, them, uh, Bruce Wayne living the life without billions of dollars, as well as uh, bringing, uh, oh, yeah, uh, knocking those uh, guys uh, hired, uh, what, what do you call it, Hugo Strange to uh, come out of Arkham and work with them after the Batman. Well, speaking of the bats, uh, we'll go in order of airing. Uh, we did catch up on Batwoman. Again, it's just they're re repaint rehashing the White Canary storyline for Alice, unfortunately. Oh, so they did have um, Batwoman's uh, skeleton. Oh, that Batwoman skeleton. Yeah. Uh, that and uh, the they got the, a good new girl. They recast, of course, Kate Kane as we talked about. Uh, we did get to see her as a full flesh human being as well in a jail cell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's all we saw, though, so we'll have to wait until this Sunday uh, for any kind of follow-up on that. Really not much to say about Batwoman until the series really starts to pick up. Uh, that person was uh, just casted. Um, exactly. How you feel about uh, uh, Superman Lois so far? Well, we'll get to that in a second because The Flash was on before that. Oh, I didn't see the recent episode yet. Uh, it was what was supposed to be last year's season finale. Right. Uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, they did bring back an older villain. He's all over the advertising. So, of course, this is not a spoiler, but Abracadabra comes back. Oh, uh, it was a spoiler to me. No. Yeah. Now, now I'm even more excited. Now I'm even more excited for the episode. Before COVID. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm actually excited for that kind of thing because I can't wait to see how they're going to progress uh, the remainder of the season post Mirror Monarch. And which was a just a fantastic just a fantastic story told like roughly around the end of it because uh, it just the whole mirror master thing wasn't really resonating with me. And this like 
finale really did a lot for the Mirror Monarch character, uh, especially, you know, finding out that she's a copy and she's not a real girl, that she's not a real boy or whatever. Yeah, they, they did not pay off the big lightning storm no, yet. So they did not pay off the big lightning storm yet. So hopefully that'll come uh, in future episodes. But Superman and Lois, uh, it had a bit of a slow burn for the most of the episode. Uh, however, those last few moments is where everything really paid off. Oh, absolutely. For the, for the recent episode, yeah. Uh, but uh, at the very least, finding out some like obscure points in Clark's younger childhood and finding out how they relate so heavily to uh, just how things are going with his family right now, uh, things that are actually happening in Smallville, and uh, the complete turnabouts for some characters there, uh, such as like uh, Luthor being a Luthor from like another universe, I imagine, uh, before the whole multiverse pizzazz crisis, uh, the likes of uh, Morgan Edge not being the Morgan Edge we were introduced to in Supergirl. It was uh, certainly a bit of a change, but I like what they're doing with it so far. Yeah, they're really focusing on the family dynamic and making you care about them as people. I know. Uh, as opposed to just throwing around big CGI fight scenes. And the fact that all of the press releases that have come out since have referred to Captain Luther as Alexander Luther. So it's Junior. See, I like that. It still keeps the same Superman, uh, like, looks and everything like that, but of a different of a different tune, something must have happened on this world that sent him off the rocker uh, and against the army, against the world in general. Huge stuff. And oh my god, it, from the recent Superman and Lois episode, I fucking, I fucking called it from the beginning. I fucking love the fact that they included them, um, the, like the big science mind behind all of inner gangs, uh, like machinations, uh, was included in this one, and that was a, that was a nice ring there like i was so happy seeing inner gang involved like this oh yeah even just the early on mention when they said the name inner gang i popped for that absolutely i honestly thought i'm they were at least gonna have manheim in there i was really fucking hoping for manheim but we got what we got and it turns out he was a genius all the way through to when he was stopped and shit uh, that call out to that call out to uh, his kids and everything like that, like hearing them and shit, it really set a lot in motion. All the way in that fucking forest, and he could fucking pinpoint them. And he's just like, "Hey, no more Superman shit. It's time to go." And he Hulk clapped, and that was it. He was out. He's like, "Okay, cops on the way. I'm dipping." And you know, off he goes. It was that was intense. Like, yeah, it turns out CW only planned to give us a bit of a cock tease with Superman and Lois. Because as of next week, the final season of Supergirl starts, and we don't get any more Superman and Lois until May. <coughs> oh, you, what? 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 Yeah, because of COVID-19 restriction, they weren't able to film many episodes at once. So now they're weaving in the Supergirl season... The whole series is like that because uh, Flash was like that. They had to cut like half the season. Yeah, that's true. Well, and if they keep if they keep bringing us episodes like that, I mean, it's worth the wait. 
I mean, these people are really good at what they're doing, and I wouldn't want to put them at risk. So, yeah, if they need to do what they need to do, that's fine. I guess I can tie myself over with Supergirl stuff. It just opens up an hour for me on Tuesday nights. And yeah. I mean, uh, on the Supergirl show for quite some time. Uh, I don't need the young and the capeless. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Because it Jesus seems like the sister is the only one that matters right now. Well, that's what all the CW shows do. Felicity right. was the one that mattered. Iris, Iris is, the is the one, one that, that matters. matters. Alex, Alex is the, Alex one, matters. the one that matters. It's nope. like, why, why does it have matters. Alex in her love life? It's, it's mad. Yeah, it, it's the CW format. It just doesn't click with me with Supergirl. That and I know that season of Flash, I know Jay hates because it's all been Iris. Yeah, I, I don't tune into the Flash to watch the Iris show. Thank you. Like, is that so? Is it so hard for people to understand that when you release a show called The Flash, I'm expecting to see the Scarlet Speedster? Well, it, it's not like they took the Superman and Lois approach and put both characters in the titular role it's not called barry and iris it's called the flash i would have been fine with barry and uh nora, nora. i could have even seen i could have even seen a nice detective pairing i i would have rather them kept patty spivet from season two hell yeah oh chantelle's just a, a dear to that show oh my god she's so pretty it should be just like uh, uh and I, his buddies. I, I will appreciate, yeah, they could have called it Flash and Friends. Right. I do appreciate how they handled the Ralph Dibney situation by right. having the character's face melted and they have to hide him behind a mask. And soon he'll find a new body. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll laugh so hard when he reforms and he doesn't look the same. That would be amazing. Cameron! No, he's going to have to take on the form of like, somebody. He can't just make a look. Yeah, he'll, he'll just have to reform just so they can recast the role. Uh, I thought it was great that they offered Sue Dibney a spot on the team, and she's just like, no. Okay, so maybe it's uh, Ralph trying to heal his own face, but to only the extent of the experience with his power, so it formed differently from like based on focus. Yeah, they really handle his write-off really well for the show. I agree. I agree. Uh, and that catches us up on Superhero TV of the week. Uh, anything else on your mind in the world of capes and tights, sir? I always wonder why they went back to putting the underpants on the outside again. I don't get it. Maddening. Shauna, any pressing questions in the world of capes and tights as soon as you've done your mouthful of whatever food you're eating? Pickles. At the, at, mouthful of pickles at 2.47 in the morning. Hello, the Gotham. Be protected by the bat. The sky's a metropolis. Protected by the man of steel. Only at 2.47 a.m. The small town in Ontario. Can someone be called? Suing. Then I think I'm good. She's good. Uh, of course, we want to, even though they don't listen to this show, gotta extend my well wishes to Pops. Uh, my stepfather had goddamn shoulder surgery he didn't this week. He have surgery. He popped it into place. 
Yeah, they were able to do an uninvasive surgery to uh, uh, get his shoulder back in place. Uh, he's in a sling for the next four weeks with a metal bar to keep everything from moving around. All because he thought he was a young guy and wanted to lift a dresser up over his head onto a bed. Yeah, he did something that would have taken you and I together to do. Uh, dislocated his shoulder, was in the hospital for a few days. Luckily, he's at home and on the mend right now. Instead of calling the neighbors. I mean, I could have just dialed up anyway, really, or just, yeah, it's a, it would have been so much safer. But the man's, man's, a, hard, the man's a hardcore legend, so. Just move it. Yeah, he was told to slide it to the side, and he said he hoisted it onto the bed. I'm telling you, John's going to go into the 2022 WWE Hall of Fame. That's hardcore legend. <laughs> So that is it for us in the world of capes and tights this week. Of course, if you want to hit any of us up, uh, you can hit Shauna up on Twitter at six space hair at sick little one on Instagram uh, at Mookie's stuff buddies at gluten's the devil on Twitter and on Instagram, Facebook. You can get me at uh, Shauna McMC at Hotmail.com. There you go. She's giving away her Hotmail this week. Not Hotmail. Uh, Facebook. I don't know. You can always find me on Twitter at ClownyJ. You can also pick up my official t-shirt at whatamaneuver.net backslash clowny hyphen uh, ClownyJ uh, or just go to the drop down, find my name, pick up that cartoon Clowny t-shirt. Just buy a shirt. Come just on. buy If one person uh, buys the shirt, I'll stop talking about it for a month. Come on, buy a shirt. I have two, one. And Mize, where can the good folk find you? Well, folks, you can find the Fluffle Elf because it's a very bright furball himself on Twitter at Mize1987. Look me up on Instagram at one man Mize. Uh, it's pretty much uh, the place if you go looking for a Mize nowadays. So, uh, you know, hit me up. Uh, again, you know what? Uh, your uh, DC Comics Breakfast Club. Hit us up on the socials. Let us know what you have in mind for those. Let us know who uh, your uh, team up of uh, obscure names would be. Uh, aside from that, uh, like uh, Jamie mentioned earlier on, if you're in the Hammer or you plan on visiting the Hammer in Ontario, then uh, pop on by 725 Park. Visit Gary Burden's Comics uh, Wednesday through uh, Sunday. Uh, Wednesday through Saturday or Sunday, I believe. And uh, he's Always has the good hookups on the comics. Uh, always has the great price on uh, other collectibles as well. Figures, card games, and jazz. Give him a visit, pop in. You know, you know the good. You know what you're after. You want those good comic titles. Go see him. Aside from that, uh, if you happen to be at home, you enjoy watching stuff on Twitch uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8 p.m. You can follow the Horror Haven for uh, some action-packed hilariousness in regards to a grown man screaming at horror-based video games. Perfect. Also on Twitch, you can hit up uh, a lifelong friend. Hit up Ashley Versus and see what she's up to. Oh, yeah. Follow her on Twitter as well. Yes, and say hi to Pancake the Dog, who apparently has uh, its own uh, Twitter associate emoji. Oh, snap. Totally does. Perfect. So with next week's film being uh, Batman versus Dracula, 
Uh, we want to thank you for tuning in as you do each and every week. Uh, especially this week, we had a double header week with an episode dropping on Tuesday. This one coming out on Saturday. Uh, that's why we don't always say same bat day, but we do say same pod time. Not same pod, yeah. No. 